At present in our culture, enlightenment has two predominant meanings. One is the enlightenment, that period in the 17th, 18th century in which, to state it simply, superstition was supplanted by science. The other is enlightenment as the highest flowering of human consciousness, the goal of spiritual practice as proposed, for example, by Buddhism. The enlightenment of the warrior is neither of these. The simplest description would be that the enlightened warrior is aware that the particular reality their consciousness inhabits is neither real nor unreal. Or to put it another way, the everyday world they experience is both real and unreal. This is not a claim about the ultimate nature of things. The warrior leaves those questions to philosophers. It is an acknowledgement of the paradox of awakened experience. Using the word in this sense, enlightenment is an outlook which willingly accepts things as they obviously are, realities in themselves, and yet at the same time is certain that nothing actually is what it seems. As you might imagine, to live in this awareness requires a major shift in perception and cognition. The enlightened warrior has to walk a subtle balance between the conventional understanding of reality and their emergent realization that everything they know is as false as it is true. So how do the mystics achieve new ways of perceiving, thinking, responding, while keeping their lives on track? Well, they don't. The emergence of what we might call new mind is like the metamorphosis of a caterpillar into a butterfly. There is no effort involved, no strategy to be applied, simply the surrender to successive stages of transformation. This surrender, however, is not entirely passive. It's actually an expression of self-mastery. There are a number of ways mystics actively bring their life energies into alignment with this natural metamorphosis. As one Sufi teacher commented, it takes intentionality to find the portals of surrender, to guide oneself to the intellectual openness, the emotional relaxation, and the spiritual clarity through which this transformation takes place. We arrive at one of the first portals when we inquire into the actual nature of what we see and how we identify and determine what is real. For the conventional mind, the answer to what is that is most often a simple labeling of the object. It's a bottle, or it's a spoiled child, or it's a bird. No, wait, it's a plane. As soon as we do this, the object becomes entified. It takes on a self-standing reality of its own, 
or what we might call an independent isness. It's a thing with its own properties and timeline, separate from all other things. In this way, our world is populated by countless objects, each with its own distinct reality, granted by our ability to name it. We rarely consider the extent to which that isness arises from our identification and is not an inherent property of that thing itself. New mind knows that isness is not suchness. Of course, it would be silly to question the reality of an elephant charging at you, but perhaps equally mistaken to believe that this particular experience has an independent reality outside of your consciousness in that moment. Respecting the isness of phenomena is not the same as granting it stable, independent existence, existence which would make it real in all situations. So mystical warriors seldom argue because they don't expect their reality to be congruent with anyone else's. They know better than trying to get someone else's reality to conform to theirs. As we drop that insistence and honor the reality we live while remembering it is not the reality, without needing others to validate that experience, new mind emerges. Another portal presents itself when we explore our drive to understand as the primary way we make meaning. Most of the time, understanding means describing what is happening by finding the reasonable causal connections that brought about the current situation, and by imagining the possible causal connections now in play, likely leading to the next situation. For example, let's say I'm getting the cold shoulder from someone. I could construe that she's angry with me because I forgot to return her call. Once I quote-unquote understand this, I have ways to proceed. I could ignore it and let it dissipate, or call and apologize to restore warm-shoulderedness. I believe in that moment that I've found understanding but I don't see that I've simply collapsed reality into a convenient storyboard. From the vantage point of new mind, understanding is just a game I play with myself. I gather data and reconfigure information, making sound, cause and effects links until the picture I want or believe or fear comes into view. At that point, I say, I understand. And unless something drastically contradicts that understanding, I'll likely never question it again. The enlightenment of the warrior arises as they relinquish the drive to understand, especially as it serves to calcify their passing experiences into enduring realities. 
But you might well argue it's impossible to function if we don't understand. How can we make thoughtful decisions or see our way through predicaments without understanding? Well, new mind doesn't dispense altogether with understanding. It simply dethrones understanding as an end in itself. In doing this, we don't settle on one understanding, but open to multiple understandings, many of which may not be immediately evident. For the mystical warrior, the more ways we understand, the better. Each understanding is the basis of a working hypothesis through which to probe reality and reveal the deeper substrates of what is being understood, the cause within the causes, or as Sufis say, primary causes. Having been brought into awareness, primary causes give the warrior access to a more substantial reality. If we can sublimate our drive to understand, putting less emphasis on what is understood and more on where our understanding leads us, we can often find much simpler and more effective pathways from one situation to the next. For example, rather than trying to understand the cold shoulder, we might just simply inquire, hey, are you okay? Is there something up between us here? The last portal I'll mention here has the words, time is a merciless, relentless thief carved above its archway. Through this portal of surrender, the enlightened warrior observes how one can feel trapped and desperate within the confines of a particular situation, and at the same time sees how delusional that can be. Somehow, the most obvious aspect of life, that things are always changing, is ignored as we spiral deeper into despair. Somehow, conventional mind forgets the absolute impermanence of everything in the clutches of time. New mind is aware of the pitfalls of becoming fixed, of setting itself down in impermanence. Of course, there are instances that are actually entrapments, in which despair is all but inevitable. Syrian refugees, many of whom are Sufis, come to mind. But in the course of most of our lives, it is not unusual for us to feel like a situation is hopeless, offering no exit points, when a moment's reflection can offer up proof that nothing is forever. Remember how completely over our life felt when we broke up with our first true love. The enlightenment of the warrior is seen in how gently and compassionately they ride the situations of life, knowing that there is always a next and that the possibility of shaping that next is an invitation to creativity.
A Sufi teacher summarized that enlightenment when she said, if you look out and see things, you're, well, seeing things, and yet not seeing anything at all. If you look out and see relationships, then you're seeing what's actually going on.